0: You're now listening to the Bar Stars podcast, where we explore health, longevity, and performance. I'm your host Edward Checo, and we'll be diving deeper into topics I've been studying for the last ten years as a kinesiology expert. What's up? What's up, everyone? It's Edward Checo here from Bar Stars, and today I have a special guest, Al Clavado. Hey, hey,
1: hey, you said my name right, Ed. (laughs) I've been practicing on that. I appreciate that. Before
0: before the podcast started. So if you're familiar with Al, or if you're not, he's a multi-best-selling author, a personal trainer out of here in New York, and he travels doing workshops on calisthenics for the Progressive Calisthenics Certification.
1: Yes, sir. All right,
0: Al, welcome to the podcast.
1: It's my absolute pleasure to be here today. Thanks for having me, Ed. So tell us how you got into calisthenics. Man, when I was a kid, I... Grew up in Brooklyn, and Brooklyn back then was was a little rougher than it is now. And basically, I was a skinny kid, and I didn't want to get my ass kicked. So I wanted to put on some muscle, and I was too young to join a gym, and I didn't have any weights. So I started doing push-ups, and I asked my parents to get me a doorway pull-up bar for my 13th birthday. And that was sort of how my calisthenics journey got started. You know, at the time, I never thought of it as anything that could turn into a career. It was just something I was doing just for fun and just like i said to put on some muscle so i hopefully wouldn't get picked on by bullies or anything
0: (laughs) why did you choose a a pull-up bar as opposed to like a dumbbell or something
1: uh you know it just it just called out to me for whatever reason i think i had seen uh terminator 2 recently i think that came out right around when i turned 13 there's that famous scene with linda hamilton doing all those chin-ups and she was like a badass and i was like oh i'll do (laughs) chin-ups i'll get jacked And, uh, I, I, there probably were other places that I'd seen it too, but I guess that was my first exposure, but I did get into weight training pretty soon after that when I got to high school, because like I said, I was kind of a unathletic skinny kid. And when I found out freshman year that I could take weight training for gym class, I was like, great. I don't have to worry about playing sports now. So I got into weight training and I took to that. And eventually years later, I became a personal trainer. And that was when I first got exposed to some of the more advanced calisthenics stuff, you know, because like a lot of people, I think the only calisthenics I was really aware of was like push-ups, pull-ups, maybe dips, body weight squats, things like that. But I remember seeing someone do a one-legged pistol squat when I was a brand new trainer and thinking to myself, whoa, that looks really cool. I want to try that. And also like tremendously underestimating how hard it would be. (laughs) So I thought, you know, I did like calisthenics mathematics and I said, well, I can put a weight on my back and barbell squat on two legs with more than my body weight so if i pick up a foot and i don't have a bar on my back well it's the same thing and of course i was wrong and i was intrigued by that and i wanted to get it and then little by little it wasn't like i woke up one day and was like oh i'm gonna be a calisthenics guy now it was just little by little i remember seeing a muscle up a couple of years after that and sort of having a similar thought like oh i can do pull-ups i can do dips so pff, this is going to be a cinch and of course, I was wrong about that. So I, you know, had to had to work at it to get it. And then seeing the the human flag, and that one, I knew right away. I was like, all right, that looks badass, and I probably can't do it yet. But I wanted to learn it. And you know, just little by little, new things came into my routine, and other things moved out. And one day, it was like, sometimes I say I don't know if I chose calisthenics or if calisthenics chose me.
0: That's a, that's a good way to put it. I think it, I think it was it was like that for me too. So I started with a lot of pull ups as a warm up to to the weight routine. Yeah, and then after a while, just like so much calisthenic movements got found their way into my routine. that I didn't really have time to.
1: Right, there's had, only so many hours in the day you can train. Yeah. Right, you got to rest and recover. So if you're doing all these different skills and you want to lift weights and you want to train to run a marathon and all these other things, it's just you're not going to get anywhere with any of them.
0: True. Um, so you, you teach a lot of different skills on your books as and on your workshops. Yes. What do you feel is the best method to learn a specific skill?
1: Well, you know, it's different for different people. Because something I've found teaching workshops and working with a lot of people one-on-one is everybody's bringing a different history to the table. So some people maybe have the strength to do some of these things, but they're really tight and that could be holding them back. Other people are... Um, not strong enough, but maybe they have other things that they're good at. Maybe they have better balance than somebody else. So it's it's so individualized that it's it's hard to say. And that's part of what you you find as a trainer is you have to work with a lot of people, so you learn a lot of different approaches. Because what worked for one person, you might give the next person that same cue, and it, it doesn't work for them, or it isn't appropriate for them. You might tell one person, okay, you need to think more about uh, you know engaging your abs. And you might, for another person, they're engaging their abs, but they need to think about some other aspect of it instead.
0: What does it look like when you first get a client, like that first session?
1: I'm really lucky nowadays because a lot of the people who I work with for the first time are people who are into calisthenics and they've sought me out specifically because they want help with You know, a pistol squat or a muscle up or a human flag, and maybe they've been practicing it on their own, but they just need a little bit of cueing because some of the subtleties have eluded them. And those people are great to train because they know exactly what they want to do, and I can work with them specifically on those things. But then other clients come to me just for general fitness. Maybe they've Uh, Maybe they're friends with somebody who's been working with me, and they notice this person's looking leaner and feeling better and getting stronger, and they've got referred to me. And they're not necessarily looking to do a muscle-up or to learn a pistol squat or a handstand. So with someone like that, it's a little bit of a different approach. But either way, what I want to do in the beginning with somebody who's new is assess them. And it doesn't have to be a really formal assessment. Basically... I just have them do some basic stuff and and watch them move and you can tell a lot just by having somebody do something like touch their toes or attempt to touch their toes because some people can't or do a a basic squat or just hang from a pull-up bar or do a plank or do a push-up and then I can assess if people are able to do those basics well, I can try giving them more and more challenging things and if those basics are already hard for them then I'll jump in, I'll start cueing them right there and that sort of leads right into the session.
0: Got it. Um, how well, what frequency would you recommend for a specific skill? Let's say for someone who's of average fitness level, they might have done some fitness in the past. They're you know could do like five to ten pull-ups, and they want to learn, let's say, the muscle-up.
1: I feel like three training sessions a week is a good minimum to aim for because it's enough that you can make progress, and it's realistic for most people. You know, you and me, we love to work out. It's hard to only work out three days a week because you like it, you want to work out five, six days a week. So for people like us, sometimes it's good to do a split routine. But for a lot of people, you got to just do a full body workout every time you train because you might not have the frequency to do it. But that said, people who can train more often, you certainly uh, can benefit from that. But yeah, as far as as you know how long it takes to learn these skills, I hate to put a timeline on things like I mean, a general timeline because yeah, it's so individual. it's so different for different people. Some people, like we were saying before, depending on their previous training background. You know, you said someone who has five to 10 pull ups. I've taught someone a muscle up in 15 minutes, and I've had other people who we work on it for months and months and months before they finally get it.
0: For people that took that long, what was it you felt was the factor that was holding them back? Was it strength?
1: Sometimes it's psychological. You know, a lot of these moves, people psych themselves out, and other times it's just technical. I found sometimes specifically with the muscle up. I work with people who've done hundreds and thousands of pull ups over the years. So, that movement pattern is so ingrained into their neurology that the muscle up feels different and the movement pattern is a little different. And they just can't get out of the whole like driving your elbows into your ribs sort of thing that you do for a pull up. But, you know, for a muscle up, you have to kind of get yeah. your elbows behind your body a little bit more. And sometimes I can explain that to someone. They can get it intellectually, but when they go to do the rep, they just, They keep doing the other thing. So you just got to be patient with people and try different ways of cueing them. If you give someone a cue three or four times and they're still not getting it, try a different cue.
0: That's a good way to look at it. Yeah, I've definitely seen people that uh, they just have problems with the motions, but they're definitely strong enough. They're doing like pull-ups to their chest, but they get the the, the curve that you need to do a muscle-up.
1: Yeah, a lot of calisthenic stuff. Obviously, there's a, a strength component to it, but then there's also a technical component to it. And that's why sometimes people, when you just watch a muscle-up or you watch some of these skills, you see it on YouTube, some of the subtleties of the technique get lost on you, and you don't realize exactly what's happening until someone really breaks it down for you. And that's why it's so great to, to have a trainer or to have an in-person thing, because as much as you can learn a lot from YouTube, and I've learned a lot from YouTube, and I'm sure people who've watched your stuff have learned a lot, there's just something about working with someone in person that you just you can have that dialogue that you can't have
0: I agree fully. Like on YouTube and the internet gives you a very general answer and some yeah. people could work with that. Yeah. But some people do need a very specific, Yeah, this is what you need to do.
1: Yeah. And sometimes they just need me standing there and giving them the encouragement or if not me, someone standing there. Something that I've really tried to do over the years is demystify some of this stuff for people because I think it's easy for someone to look at something like a human flag and be like, oh my God, I'll never get that. That looks so crazy. I can't believe that's even possible. But what I like to do is be like, hey, or hey, 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 as I like to say, is me, Al. I'm just a regular guy like you. You know, I don't look like a bodybuilder. I'm not taking steroids. I'm 40 fucking years old. And look, I'm going to pop one up and I'm going to smile while I do it. So if I can do that, you can at least try and do some sort of modification on this. And sometimes that's all people need to see is they just need to be with you face to face and see you do it. And it's like, holy shit, this guy just did it. And they get fired up.
0: Yeah, I feel like I made a YouTube video about it before. That people put these moves on a pedestal, so they never feel like they're strong enough. They're like, I can never do the muscle up because it's so grand. Yeah, but really, like it's if you fully apply yourself and you unlock the mental barrier, it becomes a lot easier than what you think it is.
1: And that I think applies to things outside of calisthenics too. Once you start gaining that confidence. Maybe you'll ask your boss for that raise that you didn't have the balls to earlier. Maybe you'll go up and approach that pretty girl who you were too timid to talk to before. And I love seeing that when I work with people. That not just do they get physically stronger, but they start to believe in themselves more just across the board.
0: That's that's so true. I've seen it with multiple people too.
1: Yeah, it's, it's fucking it's awesome.
0: So uh, what does your personal workout routine look like now?
1: Well, these days, I'm actually training a little bit less than I used to. I got a 14-month-old baby, and when she came along, suddenly I had a lot less free time. So I do usually like two pretty long, intense sessions each week, and then I just try to sprinkle in a little bit whatever else here and there when I can, you know, at home It's great because I can always practice push-ups and handstands and things like that, and my little girl actually gets a kick out of it. She doesn't really know it's a workout, and sometimes she wants to join in the fun a little bit, which is great, and I'm hoping I can continue to ride that out for a while and get her into doing strength training just because it's fun and because it looks cool. But um, yeah, other than those two intense workouts that I make sure to do every week, maybe I'll 15 minutes here, 15 minutes there. I busted out my ab wheel yesterday cuz it was raining but and I just me did the best ab exercise. Right? My abs are sore today. I just did like about 20 rollouts just throughout the course of the morning. And I woke up this morning my abs are on fire. I was doing my pull-ups this morning and all I was feeling was my abs. Yeah. So uh yeah, it's it's not like I have a really strict set routine that I follow. A lot of it is uh you know, just kind of fitting it in around my day-to-day. And I think it's important for people to get that because so many people think I got to know exactly what I'm doing. I got to have a super structured plan. And it's great to have a plan. But you got to be prepared to be spontaneous and deviate from that plan too. People think if they can't stick to the plan exactly as they planned it, that just ah eh, throw the whole thing out the window and uh, eat a whole cake instead or whatever.
0: <laughs> I, I get nice long sessions pretty regularly. But I, when I'm at home, I still like kind of kick up into plants whenever I have some type of like random five-minute schedule where I'm free. Yeah. So I, I definitely believe in like these little workouts throughout
1: the yeah, day. Yeah, sometimes inspiration hits you at an yeah. unexpected moment, and go with it when that happens.
0: Or if I'm sitting down for too long, I just get up and do like a set of jumping jacks. Absolutely.
1: I, I do everything on foot or by train or by bicycle. I don't have a car. I live in Brooklyn. I come into Manhattan a few times a week to train people and, and do other things, like this podcast podcast. And I always either walk, If you know, if I'm taking the train, I got to walk from the train or to the train, or I ride my bicycle. So I get a lot of extra physical activity like that. But I don't even count that as part of my workout. That's just extra activity. I have, you know, clients that I ask them, if I see them once a week, I'll say, oh, so did you work out since I last saw you? And they say, oh, yeah, I walked. I'm like, no, that doesn't count. Of course you walk. It's New York City, but you actually also need to get a workout. So walking is a great form of exercise, and people should do more of it, but... Just walking, I don't think that's going to quite cut it. Yeah. Certainly not if you want to get strong. Not if you want to do pull up.
0: Exactly. What do your two workout routines look like? Just walk us through, like. I,
1: I do full body, so I'm I'm kind of at a unique place in my training because I'm 40 years old, I got a a, a little girl, and I am not really trying to get stronger right now. I'm sort of in maintenance mode, so I've acquired a lot of skills over the years and you know this goes back to something we were talking about earlier about how sometimes people want to do too much too soon and the way that I've acquired a lot of skills and anytime you meet anyone or see anyone who can do a lot of different things it took a long time to get that and little by little like I said I was doing pull-ups and push-ups since I was a kid and then I got into weights and then I discovered a pistol squat and then I discovered a muscle-up and little by little okay now I'm working the human flag now I oh what's this elbow lever thing and over the course of you know i'm been working out for 27 years now i've acquired a lot of different skills and i don't want to lose them so that's my main goal now i'm sure there will come a point in my training where i'm able to devote more time towards progressing again getting stronger unlocking new things but right now i just don't want to ruin what i built because i worked really hard to get here yeah
0: for me it's frustrating like a move like the front lever If I don't practice it very specifically, yeah, it's gone. It's gone, but it's so gone that it's like months to even get back to that point I was just at.
1: As someone who people come to for calisthenics guidance, I need to stay sharp on these skills because if people are going to expect me to coach them on them, I, I need to be doing them myself. So it's sort of like one of those things where now I've found myself in a situation where I have to stay good at this stuff, or I'm not going to be as viable career-wise anymore. And uh, yeah, it's cool. I'm lucky to be able to do that, but I got I to stay on my game.
0: <laughs> so the the session you have is practicing the skills.
1: It, it might change. You know, there, there are certainly times... Uh, you, you guys are probably familiar with the concept of periodization, which means at different times, you're doing different things. So I've gone through periods where I was just focused on doing lots of reps of basics. And I kind of seasonally shift a little bit. I'm sort of starting to get more toward that. I feel like in the winter and the fall, I'm more just getting my reps in. And then in the spring and the summer, I'm playing around a little bit more. And that's not to say I'm not working skills during the winter and that I'm not ever doing reps during the summer. I like to use the analogy of like uh, of like cooking. You know, if you're a, a good chef, you don't need a recipe. You just go into the kitchen, you see what's there, and you make something to eat. And that's sort of where I'm getting to with my training. But other people, you know, you're not a great cook. It's like you've got to know exactly how much of every ingredient to put in there or you're going to mess it up. Yeah.
0: What does your personal diet look like?
1: You know, again, there are certain broad strokes I try to follow, but it changes a lot day to day. I usually don't eat much for breakfast. I'll have a cup of coffee, maybe a piece of fruit, but generally I try not to eat in the morning usually have a pretty light lunch, and then dinner is when I you know go to town have a big meal. But again, you know my going to town, maybe for someone who has worse eating habits would be their healthy meal. So if I you know have a piece of steak and some rice and some veggies and some wine for dinner, for me, that's being somewhat decadent. Yeah. But for someone who's used to, to going to McDonald's and washing it down with a dairy queen afterward, that would be, I'm eating healthy now. But generally, I try to avoid fast food. I try to avoid excessive junk food. Not that I don't ever have a treat. You know, I love a piece of cake or a cookie or an ice cream as much as the next guy, but you can't have every single piece of cake that you want or it starts to add up. And I find that by not giving in to those urges every time I have them, I enjoy those things more when I do give myself the opportunity to indulge.
0: I agree with that. Yeah. I remember when I used to eat junk food almost every day. You get numb special, to it. Yeah, it yeah. was special. But now when I have it, I was like, oh,
1: yeah, you taste it more. Sweet stuff tastes sweeter to you when you're not used to eating it all the time. Yeah, very true. Um, you re- you had a really good one arm pull up. I think that's the
0: first video I've seen of you. Why, thank you. A couple years ago, maybe a decade ago at this point.
1: Yeah, we're getting old. Dad. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so I'm curious, how did you get good at it and how did you avoid injury? So right now my elbow goes crazy. I was able to do it when I was lighter. But yeah, for like the last six years, I can't even training for it. Maybe after like two uh, practice, my, my elbow is like flared.
1: Well, you know, first thing is you you nailed it. You you have to be lean to not put too much pressure on your joint for a move like that. But beyond that, you know, I, I have messed myself up over the years getting too, you know, uh, aggressive with training that move. So don't assume that just because you saw me do it on YouTube a couple of times that I've never had tendonitis or I've always been able to do it every time I want. But uh, it's it's definitely a, a a bit of a an elusive move, sort of a fringe exercise, and it's it's come and gone over the years. But as far as training for it goes, the first thing I always tell people is you got to get really good at two arm pull ups first. If you don't have at least fifteen, ideally closer to twenty two arms, don't even start messing with that one armor because you're asking for trouble. But that said, if you can do twenty pull ups, you start just practicing you know the same stuff that I would have a beginner who couldn't do a two arm pull up. Well, what I have them do, I'd have them try a flex hang with two arms. Well, we work the flex hang with one arm. Maybe I'd have them just, you know, do a dead hang with two arms. Well, we do the dead hang with one arm. And when we practice that negative, you know, lowering from that flex hang into that negative. But the, the thing with that move is you've got to ease into it very gradually. And it's one of those things that most people, myself included, you get overzealous because you're You really want to nail it and it becomes an obsession. You start setting goals for yourself like, oh, I'm going to hit it by the end of the year. And then, you know, it's not coming along as quickly as you wanted it to. So you think, I got to up my volume. So then you up your volume and then you hurt your elbow and then you got to back off completely. So it's one that I've uh, learned to really respect and be patient with because it, it can be taxing on the shoulder and the elbow.
0: When you trained it, how often would you train it? Daily? Every other day?
1: Well, you know... When I started working on the one-arm pull-up, I was in my late 20s, and I was able to recover a little bit better then than I can now at 40. And I think I still, that said, I still got carried away with it, Then, I think realistically, and now I, I only work on it about maybe once or twice a week. And realistically, I think that's kind of the ideal amount. Two times a week, maybe three, like I said, if you're young, if you're in your teens and 20s and you're recovering well and you're getting enough sleep and your nutrition is on point and all that. But really, you got to listen to your body because when you wake up and you have that workout scheduled in your mind, and you're like, ah, you know what? My elbow feels a little funky. That's when you got to say, you know what? Let me do something else. Let me not work on that one-arm pull-up today. But it's so tempting to say, ah, I'm just going to push through it and do it anyway because you have your sights set on that goal. So everyone's got to find out for themselves. I always say you can't tell anybody everything. Anything. I tell people all the time, you know, uh, advice is something that's easier to give than to take. So sometimes people got to learn for themselves through their own trials and errors. That's how I learned.
0: Got it. Um, I know you used to be really into yoga. Do you still?
1: Yeah, I, I think yoga is a fantastic um, complement to the training that. We do the street workout calisthenics stuff. I mean, they're both just two styles of bodyweight training when you get down to it. The yoga has a little bit more emphasis on the mobility, flexibility component and the, the internal aspect of it, whereas calisthenics is a little more focused on the strength and the, the external show off side of it. And I think that there's room for both of those things and they complement each other well. And what I love about yoga, well, it's something I love about calisthenics too, is when you're new to it. It makes you aware of so many holes in your game. Things that you think, "Oh, I should be able to do that," and you try to do it, and it's like, "Holy shit, that looked easy, but it's fucking hard."
0: Yeah. So do you do you still do yoga yourself?
1: I do. I try to get to a yoga class as often as I can, which lately has only been about you know one or two a month. I do a little bit at home here and there. You know, a lot of the time when I wake up in the morning, if I'm up before my wife and my kid, which I usually try to be. I can get a little yoga in. Sometimes I'll do some push-ups or, you know, get a get a little full workout in depending on how much time I have. But uh, yeah, so much of my stuff now is just trying to fit it in whenever I can. It's hard to have a lot of structure in my life other than trying to, to be there for my kid. That's really my main thing these days. Yeah. What's most important. That's, that's why people haven't seen me on YouTube as much lately also.
0: Are you still upload? <laughs> Not as
1: much as I used to, no. I mean, it's also you, you and I were talking about this a little bit before we started recording. Just when you put out as much content as you and I have over the years, you sometimes need to take a break because you feel like you've, you've said everything that you have to say for a while and you start to feel like you're being redundant or you're forcing it in some way. So I'm kind of at a point right now where I'm more interested in the people I'm working with in person and focusing my energy on that. And all the stuff that's online, that's not going anywhere. My YouTube videos, people still find them through searches. People still Google whatever muscle up or pistol squat progression and come ac- across my articles on those things. People still buy my books. But I'm not so actively devoted to making new content right now because I got like over 300 YouTube videos. I've written hundreds of articles. I got eight books. I got a app. I've got an online video program. It's like it's out there already.
0: Yeah. 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 If anyone puts the effort in, they'll find it.
1: But at the same time, you know, there's a part of me that feels like you got to stay current. And if you don't keep putting out new content, people will forget you because there's just so much media
0: out there. I agree with that, too.
1: It used to be – I remember the early days of, of social media. All you had to do was put out good content and you would get noticed because there wasn't a tremendous amount of competition But now, good content is just one little piece of the puzzle. (laughs) You've got to have cool graphics. You've got to have good editing. You've got to have good marketing. You've got to have all these other things that, you know... The internet used to be like an alternative to mainstream media. And that's why people like us were able to find an audience because what we were doing back then was the opposite of what mainstream was telling you. But now, it's a weird thing because the internet is mainstream media and there's still a part of it that is an alternative and if you're looking for things hopefully you can find them but i think there's probably more people you know watching netflix and youtube and and spotify and hulu than there are watching like nbc and regular tv now it's a fucking weird time
0: yeah yeah i think you're right too (laughs) and it influences the tv now it does tv
1: is trying to be like the internet yeah
0: yeah exactly yeah they'll they'll feature some of the stars and the topics and. I think almost every day the nightly broadcast has like a, a topic of based on social media. There,
1: there are actors who are on hit TV shows who are more concerned about their Instagram posts than the TV show that they're on.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I can see that. All right, Al. Um, what would be some... Last question. What would be some advice that you will give someone who wants to live healthier that's not so common?
1: Oh, I, I don't know how common this is or isn't but i think it's obvious but a lot of people are oblivious to it anyway and there's a lot of things like that in life until you point it out to somebody it's hard to see it but i think the best thing you can do for your health and your fitness is make the right decision in the moment people are so caught up on goals and long-term plans But each little decision you make day-to-day adds up, and that's how the long-term unfolds. So rather than thinking about the next 30 days or the next month or the next week, think about right now. Think about today. Think about the meal you're about to eat. Think about the actions you're about to take. Is there a better thing that you could be eating? Is there something physically that you are neglecting that you could stop neglecting? Can you fit in that 15-minute workout today instead of tomorrow? And I think if people make the effort little by little, change takes place and it adds up.
0: That was very well said.
1: Why, thank you. I've it's, given that message and that speech to people before. And then they come back to me and they say, but can't you just give me a 30-day program and tell me what to do? <laughs> and that's why I started selling my 30-day program online. Nice, perfect.
0: <laughs> um, is, where can people find more about you?
1: They can Google me. You know, If they're able to spell my name correctly, K-A-V-A-D-L-O, that's the great thing about having a name that's hard to <laughs> spell is there's no one else out there named Al Cavadlo. So if they can remember it, then they'll find all sorts of content. They'll find my articles, and then if they want to dig deeper, they can get my books and my other stuff.
0: Perfect. Thank you.
1: Hey, hey, hey. It's been a pleasure.
0: If you guys want to learn more about Kaisa's training, I advise you guys check out Bar Stars BTX. It's an app on your phone, also a web design, and also printable PDFs. It gives you a full 12-week program of calisthenics. It teaches you from a beginner progressions all the way to the advanced with basic conditioning as well as introductory skills such as the planche and the front lever. You'll be able to learn these step-by-step step while conditioning your body and turning yourself into an all-around badass. Check it out, barstarsbtx.com.